I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. How are you, Gary Jr.? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Well, it's summer, so it's hot, but what do we expect? Why? Because it's summer. But anyhow, Gary, what would you like to talk about today? Well, I'm going to fall for one of the media tricks here today. Uh -oh. and, I think it, <laughs> and I don't like falling for their tricks because they, you know, a lot of the time they talk, you know, quote unquote out of their butts. But in this case, I think this is a very interesting conversation to have. So Steph Curry, as we all know, just won his fourth NBA championship. Yep. Congratulations to Steph Curry he for did. that. He did. Congratulations. Um, and Steph, you know, the question now is, is Steph Curry a top 10 player in the NBA? And if he's not a top 10 player in the NBA, who are the guys that are above him who are kind of in his range? I think that would be the safe way to say it. As we all know, Steph Curry has changed the game of basketball. Whether you like it or not, he has done that. We all know that he's the only unanimous MVP in the history of the NBA. And we also know that as well he's you know he's a two-time MVP but we also know that he's won two he's won two championships with Kevin Durant and two without Kevin Durant because the media won't let us ever forget that he's accomplished that <laughs> but I start off with my list and I actually okay. believe I actually believe Steph Curry is officially in my top 10 oh wow okay, um, okay. when I started it I had I believe I had Steph Curry probably at uh 14 on my list. I know I had a team ahead of him. At, I had uh, at Kevin Durant at 12, and I had Oscar at 11, mm -hmm. and I had Shaq at 10. Okay. I have bumped Steph Curry up basically four spots, and oh. I now have Shaq out of my out of my top 10. And it was very hard for me to do that. Ooh, I, okay. Because I personally believe that Shaq's run with the Lakers was. You know, it's one of the greatest runs in, in NBA history, winning three out of four championships. Uh, you know, the last team, the three-peat. But then you start to break it down a little bit, and you start to break down that error that Shaq was, was playing in. And unfortunately, when you do this, you have to nitpick, and I hate doing it, but this is the only way you can do it here. Well, actually, wait, before I do that, real quick. Yeah. For the people that take Wilt Chamberlain out of the top ten, <laughs> to put Steph Curry in. Now, I have Wilt 9 on my list. I know you have Wilt a lot higher on your list. Yeah. Or I assume so. But You can assume you right. Know, based, based off the show we did last year. Yeah. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain, well, you know, is still ahead of Steph Curry. People have reason just forget the fact that he, the guy owns 70 records to his name. Uh, so that's neither here or there. But I had to put a step ahead of Shaq now, and, um, and here's the nitpicking part. During that, on that time period in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was a very interesting time for the NBA. They, uh, Michael Jordan just retired for the second time. Mm -hmm. um, 
David Robinson was, you know, still a very, a very good center, but now it was the guy by the name of Tim Duncan that was starting to take over. Um, Hakeem was basically at the telltale end of his career. Patrick Ewing was at the tail end of his career, and they both got traded to Toronto and 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 Seattle uh, SuperSonics, respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Alonzo Mourning was still you know a good center. He wasn't the same. And Shaq was in year between year eight and year nine or ten in his career during that during that run. So mm-hmm. Shaq was in his prime. So Shaq was playing against an era with great power forwards, with Chris Webber coming into the league and Kevin Garnett and, and Dirk was starting to, you know, was starting to, I'm hitting stride a little bit. And obviously Tim Duncan, like I mentioned, Carl Malone was still a great player at that time, but they couldn't guard Shaq. You know, they tried. So Shaq was going against non-centers and, and they had to triple team him, quadruple team him just to make sure that he wouldn't score 60. And he <laughs> came close a lot of the time. Um, but if you look at the 2000 finals, uh, when he won MVP, and he should have been a unanimous MVP for that writer that voted, uh, that had the one vote for Allen Iverson. I, I, as listeners may know, I'm a huge Allen Iverson. But even Allen Iverson wouldn't pick Shaq. I'm sorry, wouldn't pick himself over Shaq in that 2000 season. He was just, he was absolutely unbelievable during, um, you know, that entire season. But he went against Rick Smith. Now, Rick Smith was a 7-4 center. He actually... He actually would have been a pretty good center in today's day because he can shoot the three, but he couldn't stop Shaq even if he tried. Mm-hmm. In, t- in 2001, it was Dikembe Mutombo. Dikembe, the worst matchup for Dikembe Mutombo in his entire career was probably Shaq because he was so big and he could jump just as well as Dikembe. That it was a... And then in 2002, don't get me started, it was Todd McAuliffe and Jason Collins. Okay, so, so obviously he had a field day. And then the first time he got stopped, which, which, which I would say is probably the tail end of Shaq's prime, was against prime Ben Wallace. And we all know how great Ben Wallace was as a defender. And, that's, and that Detroit Pistons team as a whole was a great defensive team led by Larry Brown. And that was also during the time when, you know, when Kobe Bryant and Shaq were not getting along at all. But that just shows you that that the era of centers that Shaq was competing, the guys that were guarding Shaq, they, well, trying to guard Shaq, it wasn't really competitive at all. Mm-hmm. While, while in this era of the NBA, this is probably the best era or one of the best eras for guards and for forwards. Well, well for forwards, it's by far the best. But the era for guards with Chris Paul and Damian Lillard and, and John Morant, you know, as he continues to get better in his career, um, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Obviously, Trey Young, who they're saying is a is a uh, you know Steph Steph Curry type of protege type player, and that's just at the top of my head mm-hmm. of all the great power, of all the great point guard. Even Russell Westbrook, even though people are, are just destroying him right now, but throughout Steph's career, Russell Westbrook was a top point guard in this league, and Steph Curry has really had a Tim Duncan like career, where he's kind of the Golden State Warriors have been a quote-unquote dynasty, and he's kind of just, you know, whoever comes in or out, he's able to do a great job by just leading the team and, you know, just doing his part on the team, which is very Tim Duncan-like. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, he won his first finals MVP. 
obviously that's probably the only thing that Shaq has um, over Steph Curry because he won MVPs and he deserved all three. Um, but I think I think it's a real conversation now between Steph Curry and Shaq. In my personal opinion, but I'm I'm giving the edge to Steph Curry just off the fact that he's won four championships in, in eight years or seven years. And it easily could have been five if guys didn't get injured. And the fact that he's been a part of this Golden State Warrior uh, dynasty, without Steph Curry, this doesn't even work. This dynasty doesn't even happen. So I have him in my top ten right now. Okay. Okay. Very good, Gary. Very good. Well, for me, I have made a significant leap for for Steph Curry, and and I and I think that he it's a well earned one. Uh, he's he's been when you look at his career, he's been quite remarkable, and I think what he did this last season um, just catapulted him into my top ten as well. But he comes from being in the twentieth spot for me wow. last year when we did this. He was ranked number twenty for me. And I am doing something very unusual, and it really does pain me to do this. It does pain me to do this since I wore this guy's number because I just love this guy throughout my entire childhood, high school, career, even college. I am not touching Shaq. I have Shaq at number 10 in my original list. And I have, I have Larry Bird at number nine, and I would keep Larry Bird there because to me there's no white player in the history of the game better than Larry Bird, and he deserves it if he was polka dot, quite frankly, to be in the top ten in my estimation. But it pains me to move out of the top ten and drop to number, probably number eleven would be Oscar Robinson. Now, I know you never even had Oscar anywhere near the top top 10, Gary. That's not but, true. But add, would, that's not true. Add, add Oscar number 11. Oh, okay, good. So yeah. what I'm technically doing, I'm technically moving Larry Bird up to number eight. And then I'm technically moving Shaquille O'Neal up. Now, you can say, hey, what the hell is the guy doing? No. Shaq, no one dominated that center position like Shaq and, and other than Will Chamberlain. No, there was no one else. There was, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Those, those guys, Bill Russell dominated it in a different way. But bottom line of it is he, he, he commanded that entire era. So Shaq can never leave my top ten. As far, you know, not, at least not never, but not now leave my top ten. I'm moving him up to number nine. And Steph would go from 20 to number 10. Now, and that's passing some great players, Gary, some really great players that I can mention now or we can go back and, and i like to do another show in the future, Gary, where we go with, because I'm sick of this Rushmore thing, we go with all-NBA all team of all time, 13. All-NBA team of all time, Second team, all NBA of all time, first team. And I tell you, I think we're going to see some fascinating things. I know I will. I've already done a little draft of it. It'd be pretty exciting to look at the first team all NBA 
because you got to play two guards, a center, and two forwards. I don't care if you have two power forwards, two shooting forwards. I don't care about that. Bottom line, two guards, a center, two forwards. That's basketball. We're not going with anything different than that. And for the first team, second team, third team. And I, I think it'll be a, a great show when we do that. But I have them leaping pretty far up. And, and when, I, when I talk about Oscar Gary and, and why it pains me so much, it's because you know, he simply didn't win any. We won one championship, and he he was the he was not the bus driver, as you would say. He was he was a passenger on that on that uh, on, on that championship team. Nothing wrong with being a passenger, Scotty Pippen. Now, nothing wrong with being a passenger. Scotty's but, offended by that comment, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but he was a passenger. But when you look at his career, especially when I was a kid, the man always averaged. 30 points a game. His, his scoring average in his first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years, nine years, nine years in the in a row. His first nine years in the NBA, he averaged over 30 points a game. With only two years of those eight or nine where he averaged less than 30. Oh, okay, 29.2. <laughs> and then another year it was 28.3. But uh, bottom line, even when he averaged 29.2, he still led the NBA in scoring. You know, so I know we talk about triple doubles and it's gotten kind of a bad name because of a guy by the name of Westbrook. But the bottom line of it is it was significant to see, see someone get you 10 in Oscar's perspective. He was getting you 11, 12 rebound, assists a game. He was getting you 12 and a half rebounds sometimes. But he, he averaged, you know, 12 and a half, 10. I mean, he, he just – and then shooting? Now, granted, Gary, I tell you, the way these guys shoot free throws today, is it's, it's really remarkable. But Oscar was, was one of the leaders almost every year, shooting about 85 87%. Today, by today's standards, you know, that would probably – he'll be in the top five, not, not the best. But back in the 60s, it was, it was a remarkable shooting percentage being high, high 80s. And then he was shooting about 50% from the field. And a lot of them were not dunks because he, you know, they weren't dunks. And he played a tremendous number of minutes. Um, yeah, just about every year, the first nine years, he was, he was getting 44 minutes a game or more. So when you, when you put that all together, his team was mediocre. He had one other Hall of Famer on his team, by, a guy by the name of Jerry Lucas, for most of his career. But, you know, once again, after that, when he went to Milwaukee, he was just an ordinary player. He was just, uh, he was like, a, he was Michael Jordan with the Wizards. You could say, <laughs> like that, if you want to get some uh, comparison. You know, he was just, you know, he was there. You know, but he was a passenger on the bus. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the bus driver. So it truly pains me to move him off of, out of the top 10. And I'm not dropping him far. I'm putting him at number 11. But, uh, you know, he, uh, he had MVP award, 12 times loss. I mean, he has all the numbers. First team, All-NBA, you know, nine times, Rookie of the Year, you know, second team, All-NBA. Uh, all In college, he just dominated the whole thing. Yeah, so, but I, I, so I'm not dropping him that far, but I do have to remove him because from the top 10 because Steph Curry has truly, truly earned that respect and position in the top ten at number at number ten, and I, I'm very I'm very pleased to put him there, 
disappointed that I have to move move Oscar. But you know, as time goes by, Oscar played in the sixties and into the seventies. As time goes by, Gary, you know, there was a time. Let me tell you, there was a time when there wasn't an Oscar, there wasn't a Michael Jordan or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Bill or or Wilt Chamberlain or Colby or Matt. And he was thus the second, the first or second player, second or third best player in the NBA, period. No one argued it. It was not even an argument. Oscar was one of the top three players in the NBA. No argument by anybody. And then, you know, things change. You have new players coming in. You have you have players who are um, bigger and stronger, quicker, faster, better shooters uh, from, from, from distance. They have the three-point line now. Um, and you got him. You have to make adjustments. So he's he's going downward, but unlike um, you know some others who I think could never, never go down. You can. There's no no way that anyone could even think about, other than these ignorant pundits on TV, moving Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from where he would be, which is you know in the t- you know you're you're talking top five now. You know, you, I mean, you, there's no way. That he could be anywhere less than number five, and I, I, it's impossible. I don't, I don't, by every measurement, scoring, titles, records, you know, from every measurement, you know. So, even though he played in the seventies, you know, there's no way you can move him. And to me, Gary, I know these idiots want to want to disrespect uh, Wilt Chamberlain, maybe because he's dead or whatever. I don't know why. Maybe because they never well, saw. Well, I, yeah, they never saw him. Play. I, but they're idiots. I can answer. They're, I can they're, answer they're, that. Let's make one more comment. If yeah. anyone averages 50 points a game, then you move him over Wilk, okay? <laughs> so so <laughs> just, just think of it like that. And he didn't do it once. He didn't do it and, and no one, no one, no one dominated the game like that. Did he, did he win champ- a lot of championships? No, but he was never, very rarely was he on a good team. He said, oh, wait a minute. He was on a team with Oscar, with Jerry West, and I was in bed. They were, Baylor was on his way down. Chamberlain changed his game. I don't want to hear it. And so, yeah, he won it with the with the with the seventy sixers on a team that maybe had one other Hall of Famer. You know, I like, you know, and Hal Greer was a good player, and and Billy Cunningham I think was around the scene or whatever. He's a he's a great player as well. Well, yeah, I mean it's a pretty easy answer, and he kind of already said it. And and this is the biggest knock on Oscar too. And I think it's I just think it's uh, I think the sports media has done a lot of uh, great things, but I think the one thing that they have done that's really hurt the game of basketball is the emphasis on championship rings because guys are now teaming up. They're joining for, you know, uh, yeah. well, joining forces with each other. That didn't have, that, that was even a thought. No, but I haven't thought. No. All, the free, all the free agency even existed until probably, you know, the seventies time period, but they, um, that changed basketball. So even Shaq, who you just mentioned, Shaq wouldn't have been able to go from Orlando to the Lakers because he left in free agency. That wouldn't have even. Oh, that's right. That's right. Back in the sixties, you know, back you know, back in the, those times. So, because of that, Oscar only had one championship, and because he didn't do it in his prime, and because a lot of these people didn't see Oscar play, so they didn't realize that that during that time period, guys weren't able to leave, and he wasn't um, able to do any of those things. It just keeps bringing them lower and lower and lower and lower on the list. And you That's know what? what Let's interrupt you for one second. Yeah. When they did see him play, he was averaging 19 points, 17 points, 15 points, 12 points. When they saw him play in the 70s, 
that was that was Michael Jordan with the Wizards. Okay, it was not the Oscar who was Oscar. Okay, it's not Oscar who was Oscar. When we saw Michael Jordan play for the Wizards, that was not Michael Jordan. Okay, of the Michael Jordan era, but he was really good. I'm not saying he wasn't really good. Oscar was really good, but he was not. You I mean, average 19, 17, 15. You know, so that's what they saw. So I don't, I don't, I don't knock those guys because that's that's what they saw. I do knock them because they're just, they're ignorant. They're not looking at the whole record. And you look at them. However, you look at Oscar's first nine years. He averaged over thirty points a game, and almost every single year he averaged over thirty. Not to mention everything else. Show me anybody else who's done that. Even Steph has only averaged thirty twice. You know, you well, can't find players who who could score thirty points a game every single year. Well, you know, I mean, Mike, you know, I mean, you know Michael Kobe though that some of their players are good, but I'm just saying that they're that's a rare uh, ability. You know what they're gonna say? Empty calories because that team their teams were bad. That's what they do. And and look, I don't you know, I'm not here to just keep jumping on an Oscar because it was hard for me to put step over Kevin Durant. But the truth of the matter is Kevin Durant had probably his worst season of his career since he's been in his prime. And you look at his numbers, he's had a he had a great season, you know, individually. But let's look at the whole year, you know, just quickly. The Brooklyn Nets were in first place when he got injured, and he was the, the front runner for the MVP. By March, the Brooklyn Nets were the ninth seed and they lost like 13 straight games. And then he gets swept by the Boston Celtics. Yeah. In the first round. And the first round. And that dropped more than anybody else than for me, Gary. He, no, I had well, well, Kevin Durant at number, uh, I think he was at number 14 for me. Well, let he's, me, he's, way, he's way down. In well, fact, me, he probably will replace Steph at number. Where Steph well, is at 20, he probably goes to 20 to me. Well, here's the bottom. Uh, well, let me let me just, you know, just finish what I'm, you know, okay, my excuse point me, go here. Ahead. Go ahead. And... And look, to me, when you have two championships and an MVP, you don't go lower than Barkley. No, that's not how it works. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is this. Good point. I'm not dumping, I agree. I'm not dumping on Charles Barkley. Obviously, he's a, you know, he's a top no, player I, I agree of all with time. You. But, but the bottom line is this. We all know why the Brooklyn Nets didn't win a cha- uh, didn't get out of the first round. It starts with B and ends with S. Oh, no. <laughs> so because – because and, you know, just, just getting off topic, just – actually, no, this actually, this actually has to do with – uh, uh, Steph Curry, and and how great he is. The, the Golden's and not just how great Steph is, how great the organization is. The Golden State Warriors are are perfectly built because when you have a big three, and I don't count Draymond Green apart as a big three. I know he's going to be a Hall team he's on, but you know, averaging eight points a game is not part of the big three in my personal opinion even though he does a, even though even though we all know he does a lot of stuff on the court for them he's a playmaker he, he's the best defensive player he's, he's a defensive leader he's one of the leaders on the team we get it but in this certain situation he's not part of the big three when they had kevin durant they got rid of they got rid of a lot of their bench and once you get a big three you don't you lose depth and we don't have all three of those guys you could lose because yeah. you don't have a bench. The Brooklyn Nets are built with three superstars or supposed to have three superstars. If one of them doesn't play, it's a major hole. If Ben Simmons plays in the series against Boston, they beat Boston because they can't triple team and double team Kevin Durant. 
they actually have to guard Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is actually going to go into the paint, which allows Kevin Durant to be open in the perimeter because they got to go get Ben Simmons. So that whole series changed if, if, if Ben Simmons plays. But it didn't happen. He got swept. It happened to the Boston Celtics who ended up going to the finals. They had a great game plan. And it, and Steve Nash is probably a top five worst coach in the league because he didn't make any adjustments. But I still think Kevin Durant's a better player than Steph Curry individually. But the career numbers at some point has to matter. And, and that's when it, you know, that's why, you know, he jumped ahead of uh, a Kevin Durant for me. And he jumped ahead of Oscar for me just because of the fact that Steph Curry is now creating his, Steph Curry's career is, is going to look very similar to me to Tim Duncan's career. And I know you don't like Tim Duncan, but Tim Duncan for me is number six on my list. And I can bring up somewhere in the five to seven range when it's all said and done, because he's going to end up being the focal point of that team. And you look at Tim Duncan's numbers, Tim Duncan won five championships. Steph Curry has won four. Yeah, uh, Tim yeah. Duncan won two MVPs. Steph Curry has won two MVPs. Tim Duncan won two finals MVPs. At this point, Steph has one finals MVP. So if you look at all their numbers, and you know, obviously Duncan has more all-star appearances because Tim Duncan was a star from day one and Steph was not. So that's going to be something that Steph won't have, is that he won't have the 16, 17-time All-Star appearances that these other guys have. Uh, Steph right now has eight, and he probably will end up with 13, somewhere around that range, which is low for someone who's as great as Steph Curry is. But that's the range I see him being in. Uh, I'm going to ask you this question as well, Dad. But for me no, personally... No, I, had Tim, I had Tim Duncan at 12, so I, I didn't really... I don't like him, but I, I wasn't that negative toward him. <laughs> That's very negative. Most people could, I would say 97, I would say almost 100% of the world has Tim Duncan in the top. Yeah. So, so that is very negative. Just, you know, yeah. but, but, but they, uh, but regardless of that, I wasn't, you know, I'm not here to, to no, go, go ahead. jump you on Tim question. Duncan. But, well, well, I'll make a statement first, then my question. Okay. Uh, well, I'll ask the question to myself and then I'll answer it and then I'll, I'll give it to you as well. The same question. Okay. Uh, Steph Curry is very close to Walt Chamberlain for me. And it's going to be because of the career accomplishments, the championships, the, uh, you know, the whole bag, you know, the whole total. Obviously, he won't get as many MVPs for, uh, as Walt Chamberlain. But after a while, if Steph keeps winning championships and keeps building up his resume, obviously this year as well, Steph also is the all-time three-point leader. That's going to be his you know, dominance on the game, how far he takes that three-point record, um, which we all know he's going to take it extremely far. So he's very close to passing Wilt for me just because of the longevity and career numbers and just winning a bunch of championships and mm-hmm. being a leader on the team. That's why I have I have Tim Duncan, I have LeBron, I have Kobe ahead of Wilt. It's because of the – not just of the longevity, but the amount of winning that they have done in their career eventually just overshadows the fact that the most dominant player in NBA history didn't win more and these guys did. So that's so so for me Steph is Steph is one championship away for me for passing or one MVP or whatever from passing Will and then he would be in that in that next range. But 
Um, you know, Steph, I think Steph belongs in the top 10 on, on most people's list now. I agree, Gary. And I agree for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, I, I just don't like, you know, your comments about Wilt because keep in mind that if if there wasn't a guy, I know you're going to say you can say this about anybody, and you can't, you can't, you can't. I'm not going to say you can't. But if there wasn't a guy by the name of Bill Russell, Chamberlain would have won like 10 MVPs. You know, that's the area. He won about four, four or five. Uh, that's the only reason. And the only reason was because the Celtics really, really, they had a good team, but they revolutionized the game. I was say the game wasn't even that old that back, back then. It wasn't. But the game turned into a game in which you didn't just pass the ball around uh, and you ran the ball. You ran. They, they were the fast-breaking team, and they went down that court, and, and they and they had five players who could run, and not, they, they scored, and they, they, they took the easier shot, and they won. But Samlin's career was just extremely impressive. Uh, seven scoring championships, 11 NBA uh, rebounding championships and assist championship. Um, you know, so I can go out now, but, but, but the, uh, once again, the people who saw him play in his latter years, they weren't seeing the Will Chamberlain that dominated the game for like 10, 12, 14 years. They, they saw a totally different guy, a guy who, who was scoring for his Lakers 13 points a game. And then the year before that, 14 points a game. And the year before that, yeah, that, that's, that's that, you know, this is a guy who has a career scoring average of over 30 points a game. And so when you, when you, when you put that stat against anybody else, there aren't many people, I can only think of one, who averaged over 30 points a game for his entire career. And, and so I, I still, so you know, I still jump in for a, a second for, 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 for Chamberlain. Not that we're here to argue well, about Chamberlain because we're here to really, to promote the fact that we both have Steph Curry moving into the top 10. Correct. But let me say this just for a second. And then, you know, this will be my last point on, on all this. Um, Wilt's best. Uh, I agree with you. Wilt's best years were obviously in the sixties, but I think Wilt's most impressive years was when he actually fell back a little bit and became the third option on those Laker teams, and they got to the finals twice during that time period. I think that's, that showed that Wilt can pl- – obviously, he could put out the ball to the center, but he was able to fit into a team setting, which is very impressive as well. And that's the one thing – and, we, you know, we mentioned it earlier about Oscar when he was scoring 30 points a game. Oscar didn't try to fit into the offense. He was the offense. And you can say the same thing about LeBron and a bunch of other guys. But Steph Curry fits into the Golden State offense. He makes the – without Steph Curry, the Golden State offense doesn't even exist. I don't know what it is. So that's that's the thing that makes Steph Curry so unique. He's, he's probably one of the best players to ever play without the ball. And, you know, and shoot really well. And be able to shoot really well off the dribble which is something that we've never seen before from any player. So, again, we know how great Wilt is, and I'm not taking away from Wilt's greatness, but Steph Curry is changing the game just like Wilt changed the game in the 60s. Steph changed the game so much that guys like Wilt can't play in today's in, in today's NBA. I don't like that. I, I know you don't like that either. 
But that's what Steph Curry has done to the game of basketball. And depending on how long that, that lasts, will we show Steph's impact to the game. And, if, and that will also be added to his legacy as well. Don't forget to subscribe.